Well, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, there's a few folks awake here. It's good to see you all. We uh, we spent the last couple of days in Spokane with my parents, and uh, driving back yesterday, we hit Ellensburg, and it just was torrential downpour all the way until we got to Seattle. So I'm this morning, I'm like trying to work out the the tension, and and being here, gathered with God's people in worship is helping. So it's good to be together with you all. <laughs> Appreciate that, Steve. Uh, when, I was, when I was in junior high and high school, my youth pastor, whenever we would gather together, he would gather us together with, uh, with kind of the same reminder of why we were together. He would say, we're here to love God, to love each other, and to love a lost world. Uh, and for what was that, six years of my uh, youth years, that was almost weekly something that I heard as a, um, as a young person when we, whenever we would gather. And that, uh, that phrase, that we're here to love God, to, to love each other, and to love a lost world, that profoundly shaped my imagination, my worldview, and, and really helped me understand kind of my, my place in the world, right? My, it helped orient me towards God and towards my neighbor. Um, and that language has has stuck with me. It's just it's been it's it's embedded in my imagination, in my worldview, uh, because of all of those years of hearing it, and and, and then the formative teaching that surrounded that as well. Um, language has the power to shape our imagination and to shape the way that we view the world. Language matters, uh, and so we actually, as a council, as leadership of this church, we've been on a long journey, probably longer than has been necessary. If uh, any of Council folks are here who might acknowledge that, uh, on, on re, reworking our vision statement as a church. Um, for the longest time, uh, we've talked about what we're about as a church that is making space for God in our hearts, in our relationships, and in our world, very much mirroring you know, what my youth pastor said, loving God, loving each other, loving a lost world. Um, but and those, things, those things are absolutely true that part of what we're about is, is making space for God. And but we felt like we always had to qualify, like, what does that mean, making space? And um, anyways, just this sense that what we need is some new language to try to describe who we are and who we sense God's calling us to be. And in the process of uh, a lot of uh, prayer and discussion and conversation, uh, one of the things that occurred to me is that all we're trying to do is put fresh language around what Jesus said when he was asked, what are the two most important commandments? Or really, he, what, what's the most important commandment to which he gave two answers? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In any vision statement for a church that veers away from those two, <laughs> you're on shaky ground, right? But, but if I would imagine that if you looked at most church mission and vision statements, that you'd find some version of love God and love your neighbor. And that's really where we landed as well. Um, but it, it does feel important that we give more specific language to it. Loving God and loving neighbor are, on the one hand, incredibly simple, very concise statements. Uh, on the other hand, incredibly complex. How we do that, right? How each one of us uh, lives out and responds to loving God and responds to loving our neighbor, how we do that in particularly as individuals and as a church, that needs some more flesh on it. So I just want to talk a little bit about um, 
our, our, our vision statement, but primarily I want to talk about the Bible <laughs> and the passages. Uh, that there's two primary uh, images that Jesus uses uh, to describe what this means in more detail. And I, I want these to form our imagination. I want these to get embedded in our heart in the same way that that phrase that my youth pastor used, we're here to love God, love each other, and love a lost world. That's, that has shaped and formed me. And I want, um, more than our mission statement, I want these, uh, these passages, these images that Jesus uses, that Jesus gives us, to shape and form our imagination as we're living out in the world. So what we're about as a church is we are people who are rooted in Christ for the flourishing of our neighbors. We are rooted in Christ for the flourishing of our neighbors. And you'll hear in there, right? Love God, love neighbor, right? This is our, our, uh, our way. And, and, and the, the particular language really comes from, uh, from two different images, metaphors that Jesus uses as he's teaching. Uh, the first one is from John 15, where Jesus is in the upper room with the disciples. He's got his, it's his, the, called the upper room discourse. It's his last words before the cross, before he goes to the cross. And he describes the relationship that his disciples will have with him uh, as a vine and a branch. He says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And the intimacy and the love of that kind of a relationship is to be the defining characteristic of how we love God. And so rooted in Christ is our, our short way of saying we want to be the branches connected to the vine with the life-giving spirit flowing from the vine to the branches, producing fruit in our lives. That All of that plant-fruit imagery, we want that to, to really describe and define how we're connected to Christ. On the second part, uh, for the flourishing of our neighbor, it borrows some of that plant language there in the flourishing. But the, the, the passage that I want to really lean into there is the Good Samaritan. Uh, this, this actually comes, and we're going to spend more time looking at this one later on this spring. This morning we're going to really look at John 15 and the vine and the branches. But briefly, in Luke 10, uh, Jesus has this encounter with um, uh, uh, a teacher of the law who, who asks him, kind of testing him, you know, what's the most important commandment? What's the most important thing? Jesus answers, uh, as he does, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and the guy comes back, and he's, he's kind of trying to get cute. And, and uh, Luke adds this little comment. He says he wanted to justify himself, right? He's like, well, who really is my neighbor, right? I mean, there, there's this sense in which he's trying to evade what he knows is a, a pretty demanding uh, commandment, to love uh, his neighbor as himself. And then Jesus, rather than answering, well, everybody's your neighbor. He could have said that. That would have been accurate and would have been a very succinct way to do it. But he tells a story, right? He tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And the, and the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, I really want that to be our, uh, the, the, the language and the image that, that sparks our imagination for what it means for us here today in 2018 to love our neighbor as ourself. So rooted in Christ for the flourishing of our neighbor, connected to Jesus like a vine and a branch, loving our neighbor like the Good Samaritan went out of his way to care for the needs of this man who'd been robbed and left for dead on the side of the road. All right. This morning, though, we're going to focus on John 15. Uh, there we go. It's already up on the screen. If you want to follow along in your Bibles or on your phone or read on the screen. 
This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's hard for me to stop there because the rest of it is so good, but I'm going to stop there at verse 8. Let's pray. Lord, be our teacher this morning. Thank you for the gift of your word, for the gift of this image, this metaphor, this, this picture of the vine and the branches. Lord, we want to be connected to you as intimately and as deeply as a branch is to its vine, depending on you for our life, producing fruit in this world, the fruits of your spirit in our own lives and the fruits of justice and peace and shalom in the world. We are dependent on you for any and all of this. Dependent on you for grace, forgiveness, and mercy. And all of this we're able to do because you have sought us out. You have pursued us and loved us with an everlasting love. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Um. Maybe some of you have spent time thinking about this, but you ever wonder why Jesus taught in, in metaphors, right? Why he told parables rather than just telling the answer, right? He could have said in response to this man's question, right? Oh, who, who's my neighbor? Well, everybody. Okay. Uh, but instead, what he does is he tells the story and he engages the imagination of, his, of those uh, who are listening. He, he, he describes the scene and draws them into this story so that they begin to see themselves uh, as potentially the Good Samaritan. And I think that uh, imagination, you've, you've heard me talk about this uh, if you've been <laughs> any time recently, uh, but I just think that the, the power of the Spirit enlivening our imaginations is really, uh, that's where it's at. <laughs> that's, that's, I think, what develops in us uh, a vision for the world the way that God sees the world is through our imagination. And so Jesus knows that, and I think that's partly why he uses stories and images and metaphors in his teaching. Um, and so then it's interesting, okay, well, why did he choose the metaphor that he chose, right? There are other metaphors he could have chosen, other images he could have used, but he uses this vine and the branch. And I can't help but thinking about the life-flowing sap that connects those two, that that uh, without that, the branch withers and dies and is useless, right? It's, it's just, all it's good for is to be, to be thrown into the fire and burned. 
But connected to the vine, it's got this life-giving energy that flows through it, that produces fruit, that makes this branch something useful and beautiful. And I, I think that this, uh, this image uh, brings to, to light a couple of things for me. One um, is, is the resource that we have. And I think that, that, that life-giving sap is that that's how I think of the resource. <laughs> that as if all of us want to do good in the world. I don't think there's anybody here that doesn't want to do good in the world. We don't, all of us want to do good works. We want to be kind. We want to be generous. Um, but the reality is that we, on our own, lack the resources to be able to do this. Um, on our own, we are unable to live the kind of life that God calls us to live, the kind of life that I think we all want to live, this generous self-giving, others-serving, uh, life that brings shalom into the world. We lack the resources to do that on our own. And so connection to the vine, connection to the source, uh, is what actually gives us the energy and the strength and the power and the boldness that it takes to live that kind of life. The other thing uh, that this imagery brings to mind is an intimate connection, right? I mean, it's hard to tell uh, what's, what's vine and what's branch. There is an intimacy of connection there. And I think that as we live our lives in the world, um, we may have the best of intentions, but rooted in Christ, we, we begin to see and prioritize the way that Jesus is already at work in the world. On our own, we might have good intentions and kind of veer off over here, but rooted in Christ, we join Christ in the, the work that he's already doing. There's a freedom there. So the resources that come from being rooted in Christ and the relationship there actually then sends us off into the world to, to be the kinds of, of neighbor-loving people that God wants us to be. There is some language here about cutting and pruning that is a little hard to read uh, the first time through. Um, and I think part of what's hard is that you realize uh, no matter what kind of branch you are, you're going to get cut. <laughs> right? No... No matter what your trajectory, there's, there's some pain involved. There's some pruning. Um, and, uh, but, but if Jesus is behind it, and if we're, the, 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 if we're rooting ourselves in Christ, opening ourselves up to the pruning of Jesus, then we trust, ultimately, that that is for our good. That is for our life. That is for our health. So we can receive whatever pruning comes in our lives, whatever things need to be let go of. Uh, here we are at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, and uh, on one hand, uh, Tuesday will go, and or let's see, Monday will go, and Tuesday will come, and not much will have changed, right? It's just the middle of another week. But on another hand, it's a chance for many of us to reflect back over the year, to anticipate a whole new year coming, 2019, chance for fresh starts. It's a chance to say, okay, what needs to be pruned away? What needs to be let go of? What, what do I need to relinquish so that the life of Christ can grow more in me? What new things, what new practices, what new habits do I need to embrace so that that life-giving spirit can flow from the vine to this branch? So we can embrace that pruning, even though at times 
Uh, it's painful, and even though at times it's a pruning that we wouldn't choose. Uh, but all of it is designed so that we would bear fruit. And that is a beautiful image to me, to be, a, to be someone who's bearing fruit, uh, that, that my life looks more and more beautiful the deeper I'm connected to Christ, that your life looks more and more beautiful, is, is a gift to others the deeper that you are connected to Christ. And the final, uh, the, the final thing that I think I, I draw from this passage is the sense of intimacy that Christ is painting in this picture. And, and he illustrates it at the end when he says, ask whatever you want from me, and I will give it to you. There is a boldness that we are invited to in this relationship, a boldness that we, as we are being rooted in Christ, that we can ask whatever it is that we want. Now, that can be taken a lot of different ways, right? <laughs> I, I'd love another car, sure. Um, and, uh, but I'm not sure that that's actually what Christ is <laughs> inviting us into here. I think what's happening here is it's, it's a description of a person who as they are more and more intimately connected with Christ, uh, as they know Christ better, the things that they are going to go to Christ in prayer with, the things that they are going to ask for, are going to be the things that Christ delights to answer, right? If we take, uh, you know, so this is not the only passage that talks about fruit, right? There's the fruit of the Spirit that Paul describes in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There we go. If you ask Christ to increase those things in your lives, he will answer that prayer. I am confident of that. Uh, Now, asking to increase your patience, that's a dangerous prayer, right? (laughs) Uh, Because the way that that comes might feel like pruning. But that is the kind of prayer that I think Christ delights to answer in our lives, that he longs to answer if we would only ask. But count the cost, right? That's not an easy one to, to ask. But it's worth it. It's worth it to ask for that, to, to, to ask God to increase the fruits of his spirit in our lives. And the intimacy, that invitation to ask whatever it is that you want, that he'll answer. Um, I think that, that intimacy of relationship is another beautiful part of this imagery to me. So we, we spent a long time talking and we, as a council and we came up with Rooted in Christ for the Flourishing of Our Neighbors. This is what we want to be about as a church, people who are rooted in Christ in order that our neighbors, that those around us, not just we ourselves would flourish, but that everyone that we would come in contact with would also flourish in Christ. Um, but the, the order is important. Um, I think some of this I've already touched on, but uh, that, that it's important that we are prioritizing first are rooting in, are being rooted in Christ, prioritizing first this growing relationship, and that it's out of this, it's out of the resources that Christ pours into us that we love our neighbors, that we, uh, that we serve this world. And we join Christ in the work that he is already doing in the world. So how do we do this? How do we root ourselves in Christ? Um, uh, one of the things that I love about this passage, and, and really this is, 
uh, something that's pretty common throughout the Old and New Testaments of the Bible, uh, is that so much of the, the metaphor and the language is plant-based. And I am not the green thumb in our family. Summer is the green thumb. But I love watching things grow in our yard. And we've been in our house now for five years, and it's, and it's taken us this long to figure out like, where does the sun actually hit our yard, right? Where, where can things grow, and where can things not grow? And some of that is just, it's trial and error. You, you have to, you know, amend the soil so that it's not just this hard-packed clay. You've got to put good things in there. You've got to water regularly during the summer months when it's not raining all the time. Um, and, and as you watch things flourish in your yard, you realize that so much of a plant growing is just mystery. Like how a seed turns into a thing that produces something that you can eat. Now that was a question, how? A thing, I, like, I, I don't know. Um, but here's what, uh, you know, over the five years, what you realize uh, is that there are certain things that you can control. You can control the, the, the environment, the, the, not the environment in the you know, weather sense, but you can control the conditions in which you are planting these things and where you plant them in the yard. You can control where and how, how much water they get and where you plant them so that this plant can flourish the best. And I think it's a similar thing with our relationship with Christ. There is an element of this that is simply grace and mercy and mystery. Uh, we are not in control of this relationship. We are not in control of this process. And that is something for which we simply give thanks, <laughs> that it is the mercy of God who seeks us, who pursues us, though we are not worth pursuing, who sees something in us that we don't see, the righteousness of Christ that's not ours, but is only ours through faith in Christ. It's a gift. That is a mystery. That is grace. And for that, we give much thanks. But there are things that are under our control, uh, similar to plants, creating the kind of uh, circumstances and environment in our lives where this relationship with Christ can flourish. And we, we, have, we have given some thought to this. There is a certain part of this that is, that is very individual to each one of us. Each one of us is wired very different ways. Each one of us is uniquely created in God's image. And there are certain practices and habits, and there are certain ways that, uh, that each one of us kind of, as we know ourselves better and better, we will live into, we will, we will embrace so that this relationship flourishes. But we also, as a community, uh, really believe that there are things together that we can do, that we can encourage in each other's lives that are going to do this work cultivating the right kind of environment for this life of Christ to grow in us. And one of those things, oh, it, this is what I was going to say. It's, uh, so as much as this relationship is, is mystery and is grace, there are things that are under our control, right? Uh, primarily, I think of uh, what we give our time and attention to. I think those are things that we have some control over. No matter our circumstances, we have some control over our time and our attention. And if we order our time and our attention to cultivate this this space for this relationship to grow, I think we're going to find ourselves more and more rooted deeper and deeper in Christ.
So the first place that I, I think of where that happens is here on Sunday mornings. Regularly coming to be together with people who in some ways are like you and in other ways are not like you at all. Save for the fact that Christ is our Lord and Savior together. And that the Spirit unifies us as body of Christ, as the church. Coming together to reorient ourselves towards Christ as Lord and Savior every week. Uh, that that is something that cultivates a space in us and in us for the life of Christ to really flourish. A number of other ways, I think, where we can be giving our time and attention to this relationship, um, we have tried to incorporate into our community groups. So if you're part of a community group, you have probably experienced this uh, in our gatherings, but we believe that uh, engaging Scripture, studying, reading, reflecting, soaking in God's Word in the Bible uh, is one of the most important things that we can do. We can, uh, we can think of, we, we're very easy, uh, it's very easy to make Jesus in our own image, right? Uh, to make him look like us, to make him um, approve of the things that we already approve of. Uh, unless we're actively engaged in this objective, uh, this objective uh, witness to Christ, the Bible, that points us to him and reminds us all the ways in which um, Jesus is not just made in our image, but he is uniquely the Son of God, uniquely our Savior. So we study it. We, we soak in it. We pray. Right? We spend time in prayer, corporately and individually, both listening in prayer and, of course, speaking in prayer, sharing with God our requests, asking of him anything that we want to ask of him as Jesus invites us to do. One of the other practices that we have uh, started doing more of in our community groups is comes out of uh, this Ignatian tradition, this Jesuit tradition of examine. Uh, another way to think of it might simply be reflection. That if we, we can spend all of the time that we want reading the Bible, but if we never have a moment to reflect on what it says in relationship with the reality of our lives and where those things intersect, it can really quickly become this sort of head study of the Bible, and then we kind of live our lives on these opposite parallel or parallel tracks that never really intersect. And so the value of examine, reflecting, thinking back over your day, where, where was God present? Where did I notice God at work today? Where, where might I have missed him? How can I become more attentive to God at work in every moment of my life? That, the value of reflection through examine is one that I think uh, increasingly many of us are, are experiencing the blessing of. And so that's one I think we're going continue to continue to encourage. Finally, um, we talk a lot about community. And community is a bit of a buzzword. Uh, and there's all kinds of places and activities and groups that offer the promise of community. And I don't want to, that's great. Let's not diminish the value of that. I want to say that in the church, there's something deeper and something um, more profound than just a bunch of people together, which I think maybe is sometimes what we mean by community. It's just, well, there's just people here. <laughs> just there's a lot of other humans <laughs> that are together. Um, but, but what we have the potential for in the church 
that I think helps root us in Christ, I think this is a resource Jesus has given us, uh, is spiritual friendships. Friendships where you are known and where you know others, where there is a level of intimacy and vulnerability, where you can be comforted in times of loss and sorrow, where you can be an encouragement to others, where you can laugh together, but where you can also pray together. This is a unique kind of relationship that is, uh, honestly, it's pretty rare. Um, even within the church, I think. But that is one of the things that I hope for, that I long for, that I think Christ wants to do in our midst is to knit us together so that we're not just a bunch of bodies gathered in a room together, but that there is a deep level of friendship here. And it's not going to be with everybody. You cannot be deep, close spiritual friends with everybody. But at least with a couple, that there might be those people that you can turn to, that can turn to you as well when they have needs. So we are going to be a church that roots ourselves in Christ like a branch in a vine. We are going to be a church that loves our neighbor as ourselves, like the Good Samaritan did to the man robbed and beaten lying on the side of the road. And we're going to soak in these passages. We're going to let the language of these metaphors, these stories, these images that Jesus uses spark our imaginations so that individually we're going to go to our work and our schools and our neighbors and our neighborhoods with a renewed curiosity about what is, what is Christ up to here? As I am more deeply connected to him, how do I see him at work in the lives of my neighbors and the lives of my coworkers, the lives of my children? How can I join him in what he's already doing, the longings that he's waking up in their, in their hearts? Before we come to the table this morning, um, it is the, the, the last Sunday of 2018, and as I already mentioned, this, this is a really good opportunity to ask some of those questions uh, related to pruning, <laughs> related to uh, you know, what, what might there be to let go of at the end of this year. As you think about rooting yourself in Christ, strengthening that bond, strengthening the intimacy of that relationship, because that's what this is all about. It's not about following rules or getting things right. It's about this relationship. And if we, if we can get that right, then in, in one sense, everything else follows, right? Everything else follows from that. So what might you need to let go of at the end of the year? What, what might you need to embrace at the beginning of a new year? Maybe it's habits, practices. Maybe there's uh, an attitude that you found yourself falling into very easily. Jesus' invitation in this passage is to come boldly before him, trusting that he longs for us to come and ask whatever it is that we want, to ask for growth, to ask for intimacy. So let's do that. Let's come to him in prayer.